2: From the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York, I'm Bill Calagero and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328. Nine one two two six eight two three two eight. Find out why I go all the way to Saint Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to you, brought to us, brought to everybody in part by Fight TV. Yeah, you can catch us on Fight TV. Download our free app today. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and uh, click on you know the banner that says download the free app, and uh, you can watch uh, the show on your phone. And by the way keep in mind that uh, all the fights that you want to see that you can't see maybe because your uh, television provider doesn't offer it Fight TV does and we made it real easy because all you got to do is go to billycboxing.com and uh, hit the player we have an embedded Fight TV player it'll give you all of uh, Fight TV's broadcasts, whether they're free or pay-per-view so check it out Uh, we try to make life easy for you and finally today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino From Bondage to Baddest plans of Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching the show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Want to get a signed copy? No problemo. Just visit uh, our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it because it's plastered all over the website, man. Just do that and uh, make sure when you order it, uh, you write what you want me To write, Uh, you know, if I'm going to sign it, you you might want something specific, like to my best friend, you know, whatever, whatever. But uh, anyway, hey, on a serious note, before we get started, uh, everybody here with the Billy C. Boxing uh, family uh, want to uh, offer our uh, condolences and prayers uh, for everyone that was uh, killed uh, and or injured in the terrorist attack in New York City yesterday. Uh, Once again, uh, a gutless, spineless uh, individual uh, decided to uh, uh, take the lives of some innocent people uh, on a bike path in New York City. At first, uh, they thought it was just uh, a random act, but uh, have now learned uh, that it was indeed a terrorist act. So uh, our thoughts, condolences, and prayers go out to all the friends and family of uh, the people that lost their lives and, of course, everyone That has been injured in that horrific uh, situation in the city. Um, Unfortunately, we got to move on in life. One thing I will tell you New Yorkers are tough. You know, we dealt with 9 11 and uh, we'll deal with this. I don't know why uh, they keep trying to target New York uh, because they'll face a a losing battle against New Yorkers. I'm a New Yorker through and through, although I love a lot of other places in this uh, beautiful country of ours. uh, New York will always be my home. Um, You know, the other day, uh, there's, there's a bunch of news I want to talk about today, but I'm not sure we're going to get to it. Um, the reason why is because there was a lot of discussion uh, over the last couple of days, uh, people calling me and, and t- texting me and and emailing me uh, about the Anthony Joshua Carlos Tacom fight. And You know, first of all, I I just want to start off and say this. You know, nobody's a bigger fan of Anthony Joshua than me. I've been promoting this guy uh, for a long time. I mean, not only do I think he's the best heavyweight on the planet, I think he's basically keeping the sport of boxing uh, going in the direction that uh, we we seem to be heading, at least for 2017. And, and, you know, as time goes on, uh, hopefully it'll it'll keep the – uh, this uh, uh, rise back, uh, so to speak. And, and I think Anthony Joshua played a huge part of it and is still playing a huge part. I did come on the show the other day, and my opinion was that he looked ordinary uh, in his fight against Carlos Tacom. And I did say that if that version of Anthony Joshua fought Deontay Wilder, I thought Deontay Wilder might have uh, uh, come out on top in that fight. Uh, but that doesn't mean, I-, I think, that Anthony Joshua would lose to Deontay Wilder if they fought. I, I think there were a lot of factors that led uh, to uh, AJ's performance, one being that Carlos DeCom was uh, a last-minute sub. He, he was uh, announced uh, uh, 12 days or less uh, prior to the fight. Uh, his height was an issue, and I, I just think mentally— Um, You know, uh, Anthony Joshua took him a few rounds. Plus, uh, like we had talked about, it seemed like his team was specifically working on Anthony Joshua learning how to break an opponent down and be a little more patient in the ring and uh, let the knockout come, even though it may come later in the fight. So I just want to get that off my chest because we got a lot of emails that I'm going to read right now uh, with uh, some negative uh, comments. I, I'm getting a gist based on the, some of the titles of the emails uh, concerning AJ. So, you know, I, my, my question today is, are are some fans being too critical of Anthony Joshua and his performance? Joining me right now uh, from an undisclosed location uh, is uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Santacola. And, Sal, you know, well, we talked about it, and... Uh, um, I mean, you think fans are being a little, a little tough on AJ?
1: I think maybe just a little tough. I, uh, I, I think you know, like I always say, Bill, you're only as good in a fan's eyes, especially as your last fight. So AJ, you know, he may not have looked as stellar as we may have wanted him to see, or as we perceived he could be, and that he truly is a special, special athlete, special boxer. Uh, and I think with less than a lackluster performance that was put in by him, it, fans were disappointed. But by all means, a win is a win. This guy got a victory. And uh, I think he would have risen to the occasion if uh, Takeham uh, offered a little bit more opposition or a little bit more offense and, and was pushing Anthony Joshua to rise to that occasion I almost think that he fought at the level he had to, uh, which, is, again, Bill, guess what? That's part of experience. That's part of being a fighter, evolving and learning while you're on a job. That, I'm, I, I hate to say, but that's probably it.
2: You know, a lot of fight. you know, you, you make a good point. Uh, you are breaking up a bit, my man, but uh, you, you make a great point. A lot of times we've seen some great, great fighters fight down to the level of the opposition in the ring with them that day. I'm not suggesting Carlos Takam is not a worthy opponent, but um, you know, based on, I mean, it's hard. You know, I mean, you know, you're only as good as your last performance. Well, the performance that AJ had prior to Carlos Takam was a career-defining performance against Vladimir Klitschko. So, I mean, that, that's a tough, that's a tough act to follow, don't you think? I mean, uh, that has to take a little while to get back on track, no?
1: Well, yes, it does, and like we reflected in his uh, in his uh, entries in his diary, you know that was a big fight for him. I think it was a defining fight for him, and I also believe that you know he used what he could to sustain uh, his his uh, focus and his uh, anticipation of, "Hey, I am all that. I can do this. I've done it before." So. Like I said, let's 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 give him a little pass on this one and uh like I said, he'll he'll rise to the occasion, I'm sure. The guy's a great professional. No doubt. And No, I said no I'm doubt. Sorry? I agree with you. Yeah. No, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. He uh you know, he's a great professional and and I think that he is going to hold the heavyweight championship for a good while. I'm not saying he's unbeatable and I'm not saying every time he fights people are going to feel a little bit braver about hey guess what maybe he's not all that but i think once in the ring with anthony joshua he will rise to the occasion and get the job done the way he wants to get it done the way he can get it done it may not look pretty it may not look great but he'll get it done um we got he's got email. that fire he's got that fight
2: we got some emails i want to get started on the emails uh yes. Uh, first one's from Jesse. He says, "Hey, Billy, see and Sal saw some parts of the fight of uh, AJ against Takam, and he looked and and looked like AJ was too complacent with just throwing a jab here and there. Um, instead of one, one, two, and three combinations, uh, he said uh, he should have finished him in four when he knocked him down. He didn't attack with the same intensity. Uh, this performance shouldn't delay in the big fights for him against guys such as Parker, Wilder, Ortiz, Fury, or Pulev. AJ is a composed." fighter and does not fight with ferocity or emotions I don't fault him for fighting like that uh, as long as he's very active uh, in a fight and not complacent Um, well before I go on to the next comment I, I um, I, first of all he's the best heavyweight so yeah I, you know the names on on the list as far as Pulev uh, Pulev lost his opportunity if Fury comes back yeah you know Fury I, I'm sure they'll make a fight because of the uh, uh, money that can be made over in England but definitely I, I would think that Wilder uh, ha- has to uh, be the guy or or Joseph Parker has to be the guy that AJ fights next and like I said earlier I, I really believe that he was working on some stuff in camp uh, to break his opponent down I mean we, we heard some comments post fight uh, to suggest that and and by his actions, and and you know it's funny that Jesse says he should have went after him when he dropped him uh, in the fourth round, Sal. But but that's something that fighters usually get criticized about when they go they drop a fighter and then they go after him too quickly and find their own asses on the on the canvas. You know, I mean uh, that is a mistake that fighters make. You know, you get a you drop a guy, maybe it was a flash knockdown, maybe he wasn't really that hurt. You got to be careful going in for the kill. You got to make sure that uh that he's indeed hurt and and I and I truly believe that AJ was uh was trying to break him down like they practiced in camp what's your thoughts
1: well I think I I agree with the letter I think when he had him down in the fourth round I think AJ could have been careful but he could have followed up and dismantled uh take him uh, bit by bit, and just jump on him a little bit more with a, like I said, maybe maybe uh, the ferocity, some kind of like intensity, some kind of uh, 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 you know controlled rage, if you will. I always use that, but I, I thought he did have him hurt. I thought that he could have uh, further uh, dismantled him and him and and put him down again. But you know, I'm also saying, as I reflected the other day, and I suggested, maybe his camp was also. Concerned that he would punch himself out in his round like he did against Vladimir Klitschko after he put him down and uh, you know what happened in the next round he found out he was down so maybe they were looking at it from experience and that's what happens with each fight you gain more and more experience so maybe that was a little bit bell in his mind saying okay I'm not going to jump all over him I'm not going to punch myself out. If it comes, it comes. I'll be a little more methodical, and I'll try and take them apart bit, bit by bit. That's that's all I could say. Well, you know the tr- the truth was is that Takam wasn't really hurt. Remember, he
2: his glove hit the uh, hit the canvas, and he he was even pissed that the referee ruled it a knockdown. So I don't know. I I, I think that uh, AJ made the right decision in in that case, not you know thinking that his guy was that hurt. Not, and I'm not suggesting he shouldn't went yeah. after him either because. I thought that if he would have, uh, you know, opened up the guns and and just let loose, he could have stopped him at any point. That was my opinion. I felt that too. Yeah, that, that that too. that was my opinion from the whole fight, though. You know, and Me and too. yeah, it's funny, but uh, but anyway, he says, "Do you think Yafi is ready to for top five fighters?" Uh, I was thinking maybe Kudra's next. I I agree. Um I, you know Kujaz would be a decent opponent, but yeah, you know he's he's there. you know he's he's a champion, so he's got to fight whoever. He says a uh, billion an interview I saw from Robert Garcia, Robert mentioned that three of his fighters who left uh, to go to Mayweather promotions about two years ago all out all want out of their contracts. He said that one of his fighters actually keeps calling uh, Mayweather promotions about fights and they give him no answers. They only have fought once in their uh, time with pr- Mayweather promotions. Your thoughts on this situation, and is it normal? Uh, my thoughts on this situation is, uh, listen, Floyd Mayweather uh, taking his own career out of the picture and the success that he's had. I, I've said many times I, I feel that Floyd Mayweather should pr- uh, focus on his promotional company. He could have the same kind of success as Oscar De La Hoya had. But the one thing about Floyd's personality, and, and this is just my you know opinion, because I don't know Floyd Mayweather personally, and I don't care to. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, is that uh, Floyd is about Floyd. And I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that Floyd does not really want a fighter that could come close or even, God forbid, exceeding his popularity. So I think he's always going to keep a fighter down a little bit. And as far as, uh, and that's just my opinion about getting wrapped up with Floyd. But the truth of the matter is, is when these guys and Al Heyman and uh, the Premier Boxing Championship has has also shown that, you know, when you sign a bunch of fighters and you're just not putting on enough fights to keep them all busy, you're always going to hear rumblings, you know. So I I suggest this to any fighter that's going to sign with somebody. You know, make sure you know what you're signing with. Make sure you know, uh, you know, what your limitations are as a fighter you know who's calling all the shots you know when i sign fighters I, i'm signing as as an advisor basically you know i i want to collectively as a team make decisions and sometimes fights aren't uh, available you know i mean today's fighter doesn't want to fight any tough fights you know I, you, I i've had many times where you got a a, a 5 and 0 fighter you call a 1 and 8 guy and he doesn't want to take the fight or you call a 5 and 0 guy uh, to fight a, a a two and five guy, he doesn't want to take the fight. The two and five guy's too tough for him. So you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, parts of that. So um, here's uh, another email, Sal, and this one is uh, uh, I, I got a couple of them here that are all um, the uh, the subjects are all about uh, Anthony Joshua and his fight. So uh, let's see this, and this is from uh, my man Don, first time uh, writer uh, to us, write into us. He says, "Oh no." AJ didn't destroy Takam in three rounds, so he's ordinary, Billy C. He's throwing my own words back at me. He says, uh, Billy, I got a lot of respect for you, but I think that's BS. I didn't watch the fight until Sunday night. I did see comments on Facebook before watching it with a lot of boxing fans criticizing AJ. I figured there's no way Takam got knocked down or got two cuts from punches or the stoppage occurred after 17 punches thrown by Joshua in the 10th round with Takam throwing nothing back or that Tacom only won one round. I didn't even give him one round, but anyway. He says, uh, I figured there was no way any of this happened in the fight because boxing fans weren't stupid enough to criticize AJ if it did happen. I wasn't looking forward to watching the fight because I figured the fans couldn't be that stupid. Uh, I was wrong. Joshua did what he was supposed to do. He got tired, but he may have been affected by the headbutt to his nose. It can't be pretended that he was exhausted as he was in the Klitschko fight because against the comm, he kept throwing punches. People were saying the ref called time to help Joshua in case he was tired. Maybe they were too many, too stupid to know that this is normal for referees to call time so a doctor can look at a fighter who's cut. People who were saying the stoppage was early, BS. Takam won one round. He was cut in the fourth and again in the seventh. In the tenth, Anthony Joshua landed 17 punches on Takam. 17. He didn't throw anything back. If you're not defending yourself, a fight might be stopped. Real fights aren't Rocky movies. AJ is still the best heavyweight. Boxing fans are some of the stupidest people. Not you, Billy C. In fact, you helped me see through the Floyd May with a TBE BS. Or the con that uh, he was this great example of the sweet science but boxing fans in general are dumb i read all these comments of people ripping joshua and on sunday i saw the fight they didn't watch deontay wilder fights like a drunk octopus if joshua can't beat a fraud like wilder i'll admit he isn't that good but no he didn't look ordinary the joshua haters would call him a fraud if he went 100 and 0 with 100 knockouts, if we could send AJ back in the time machine to fight Ali and Tyson in their primes and he beat them, people would still call him a fraud. Uh, you know, I really love this email, and the truth of the <laughs> matter—the the, the truth of the matter is—is <laughs> is that you know when I said AJ looked ordinary, you know I I can't believe, and and I'm not just saying this about this emailer. And thanks for the email, Don. Um, I I, I You know, I don't want people to think that I've turned on AJ because I certainly didn't. I do believe he looked ordinary, and I meant that in a way of like I just said to you, Sal. How do you come back after looking so fantastic in a career-defining fight like he did in, in the Klitschko fight and then fight again? It's only natural to look ordinary. The fight against Takam, nobody cared really about that fight. People wanted to see AJ because we can't get enough of him. But the fight we all want to see is against Deontay. And yes, I made that statement that if the same AJ shows up to fight Deontay as the AJ who fought Carlos to come, Deontay Wilder could very easily come out on top. But I would find that hard to believe that Anthony Joshua's mindset wouldn't be similar to the mindset he possessed when he stepped in the ring with Klitschko. Deontay Wilder brings a lot more to the table. And as far as getting, uh, you know, uh, rising up to the occasion, as you like to say, uh, he would have to uh, uh, do that. So I I agree with Don that a lot of fans are being overcritical of AJ. I don't want to be grouped in with them. I was just calling it like it is. I still love Anthony Joshua. I still think he's the best heavyweight, and I still think he's going to knock the crap out of Deontay Wilder. Your thoughts, Rocky Senecola?
1: Well, thank you, Bill. I will tell you this. You used the term looked ordinary. You didn't say he was ordinary, and that's the difference because, like I said, one fighter's performance on an off night, hey, guess what? That's what it led to. He he may have looked a little bit less spectacular than you or i would have liked to have seen him or anticipated seeing him no biggie i mean the guy is a fighter he's a professional he'll come to fight i'm sure he could rise to the occasion on the level of fighter if this was the kind of fight that he needed to do so he did maybe he was trying some things out that he was working on in the gym i don't know the bottom line is he got the victory, and I'm sure we're going to see a spectacular Anthony Joshua the next time he enters the ring. And, and this was all part of the learning curve for him to do that. And you know what? I love the comment, the drunken octopus. I know. That was good. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you something. <laughs> At some point, it looks – when the when Wilder does wail well away with his punches and combinations, maybe they don't flow as smooth and, and aren't as fluent and, and this and that. But But – a drunken octopus. I can see what he meant by that comment. I'm still cracking up over it. And, uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, no, <laughs> I,
2: I like that too. And, uh, uh, you know, like like, uh, like I've said many times, Deontay Wilder has displayed that he uh, has some boxing ability once, only yeah. once. Another email, hey, this is from our man, Coach. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Billy C., I know you don't like to get political, but I have to vent after yesterday's tragedy. My chat room friends uh, here is what what do you do if you find yourself in a conversation with somebody about terrorist attacks who doesn't believe in retaliation? First, ask if military force is appropriate. Then when the person says no, ask why not? Wait until he says something like uh, it would uh, be awful just causing more innocent deaths and we shouldn't cause any more violence, etc. Then after just adjusting to your best Jack Dempsey stance when he's in mid-sentence, punch him right in the face as hard as you can. When he gets back up to punch you, politely point out uh, that it would be a mistake and contrary to his own values to strike you back because that would be awful and he should not cause more violence. You know it uh you know then wait until he agrees and then has pledged not to commit additional violence slam him right in the face again just harder this time and repeat these steps until he understands that sometimes it's necessary to punch back um a pretty good analogy from my man coach sal what's your thoughts
1: yeah coach does know how to put a a little bit of a uh touch on that and i i agree and uh you know, it was pretty straightforward, and and you know, you're gonna get hit. You strike back, and you know what the heck, you're gonna have a bully just intimidate you all day, and you, you got to show you got strength too, and and you know, not to mess around with us, and that's it. It's a, it's a, yeah, not to get political, but it is political. Yeah, and uh, and, and it's the it's, uh, it, same.
2: It's a tragedy what happened yesterday. And, it uh, is a tragedy, and and, and I can't stand uh, some political views of people that feel uh, we should do nothing and you know everything's great honky dory and, and you know it, it's the same uh, i hate to say it but it, it's the same people that uh, like to use the race card too often you know uh it's you know maybe they're not the same person but it's along the same lines i mean sometimes life isn't isn't great and uh you know you you got to do what you got to do if you want to live in fear then just, you know, keep uh, having the blind mask. If, if you want to live in a racist world, then keep the blind mask on. It's time to open up your eyes, boys and girls. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, got another email, and uh, we'll keep this thing moving. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com
0: now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache.
1: Oh, that hurts. <laughs>
2: That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C.
0: Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And where back you're watching and listening to the billy she's so glad you could be with us and uh don't forget keep your eyes and eels your eels keep your eyes and ears peeled uh for our next billy she get together uh i uh, hope to be announcing that pretty soon got another email here uh this is from our very own i call him our very own because he's got a column up on uh billycboxing.com my man johnston uh he was also uh uh, instrumental in getting us the diary from uh, Anthony Joshua leading up to the fight uh, this past week, And uh, and the title says, which got me a little nervous Sal, it says My Rant. So uh, uh, let's see what it says. He starts off by saying, uh, hey Billy C and Sal um, give you my apologies for the length of this email but I gotta get this off my chest. If I had a mobile uh, phone that worked I would just call in but Says so I want to clear up the Anthony Joshua diary exclusive that I sent you uh, last week. AJ did not, hmm, AJ did not write his diary every day in the week leading up to his fight against Takam. It was actually a dictation of his thoughts to a reporter that uh, released uh, on Fight Week, which is done in one interview. The uh, thoughts were done in one interview, and he released them uh, on Fight Week. He says, I didn't find this out until uh, recently, otherwise I would have said uh, that to you guys. AJ has done a diary uh, every fight since Charles Martin. Um, My bad for not sending you the diary for the Klitschko fight, uh, but I missed it. No big deal. Don't don't beat yourself <laughs> off, Johnson. Be easy on yourself, man. Be easy,
1: buddy. Right? It was a great. It was entree. okay. It was great yeah, great it's
2: a, it's okay, man. You know, you know, uh, get down off the ledge, my man. Get down off the ledge, right, Sal? You know, stop stop having somebody shoot out the the legs of that chair you're hanging by. But uh, anyway, he says uh, the reason why I want to clear this up is mainly because of Dax's comments on Monday's show. Hey, before I read on. You know, I totally disagree with Dax on his uh, assessment. I said so on Monday. Uh, Dax was, uh, in my opinion, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and, and certainly Dax has his. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, he was way off uh, on, uh, on some of his comments about, uh, uh, about uh, AJ. But, you know, uh, unlike uh, some other guys I won't mention, like Teddy Atlas. Oh, did I mention him? <laughs> um, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And certainly Dax, who's a, one of the most knowledgeable uh, boxing guys I know. And, and Sal and I learned that he watches every fight frame by frame. It must take him 15, 16 hours to watch a fight, huh?
1: Uh, absolutely, but you definitely get the details uh, compounded tenfold.
2: Yeah, you're, you're, we have a terrible... Uh, you're frozen, and um, so hopefully... That'll I'm frozen? Catch up. Hopefully Whoa. that'll catch up. It hey, sounds you know, terrible. I, I've got let these me,
1: new buttons on this microphone I've never looked at before. You know, maybe, you I, I, maybe you shouldn't play it with says them now. And it I, says don't
2: get- well, maybe you shouldn't play with them now. But let me continue reading uh, uh, this email. He says, uh, Billy, uh, I respect your views uh, as I do uh, Sal's and Dax's, um, but uh, let me see something. Uh, oh, I didn't, I, he suggested, okay, uh, I, I skipped over a spot. Yeah, I, the reason why I wanted to clear this up mainly is because of Dax's comments on Monday. He suggested that AJ was concentrating on the wrong things in the lead up to the Tacom fight. Well, that's not a fair reflection on Joshua's preparations, as you can clearly see by the re, his results since the Charles Martin knockout. Uh, I respect your views, Billy, as I do Sal's and Dax's, but I do not agree that Wilder would have beaten AJ even if he fought at the level he showed against Takan. Yes, the fight was not spectacular, which we are used to, uh, but Wilder has not looked good only one time in 38 fights. I honestly believe that I could find Wilder harder fights by just popping into my local pub. That's how much I rate him as a pub fighter. Um, I, there's more to, to, There's love. more here, but... I, I want to go uh, one more time. I just want people to understand. You know, I, I, I don't get how people misinterpret things. You know, like, like uh, you know, I could see how frustrating it must be if you're a, a superstar, uh, an athlete, or a, or a high-profile person, and you say something, and people misinterpret it. I I, I said, and just like you clarified, Sal, I said he looked ordinary against Takam. I did not say he was an ordinary fighter. I didn't say that he lost anything. I didn't say I lost respect for him. I didn't say any of that. And I did say that if the same uh, guy, uh, Anthony Joshua, that fought Takam fought Deontay on that night, I felt Deontay would have won. And I, and I, and I believe that. But I also just said today that it would be hard to for me to comprehend that Anthony Joshua wouldn't be the best Anthony Joshua could be in a fight against against Deontay Wilder. I don't know if his mindset was like that
1: with Carlos to come. I mean, what do you think? Well, it's funny you should ask me. <laughs> you know, it's like I say, Billy, it's not rocket science, but like I say, any given night. And all you made was an example saying, well, if that was the Anthony Joshua that sh- would have shown up in a fight against uh, Deontay Wilder, it may have been a different story. And that's that's the fight game, guys. This is it. We don't know what's going on in the heart, mind, and and, and soul, and spirit, and, and uh, how a fighter may enter the ring that night. It's all predicted. It's all Using the indicators of a consistency that this guy's solid, this guy can do this, this guy can do that, he comes in shape, he's ready to fight, he's got his head on straight, we all anticipate that. But those are the variables that are the unknown And any given night that the fighter may have an off night might be another another night where the fighter another opponent may have risen to the occasion and he's going to dismantle him and, and expose him and show him what he was that night and that's that's all it, it, same thing with with Tyson and uh Mathis and and uh Douglas I mean I forget about it you know what I mean it's it depends upon of so many variables but give Anthony Joshua a break guys he's a great fighter and maybe he looked a little bit ordinary that night, but believe me, he's not an ordinary fighter. Well, first of all, uh, people
2: are, are. Uh, it seems the gist today is that they're being critical of the criticisms uh, on AJ. Right. Um, they're not being rough on AJ. Uh, you know, some people were rough on AJ after the fight. And like Johnston points out, you know, Dax was one of them. Um, but uh, anyway, he says... Uh, Excuse me, he says. Joshua will always have a hype surrounding him because we have not had a world champion that has been adored by the British public since uh, Frank Bruno, even though it was a very short reign. Fury did a fantastic job against Klitschko, uh, but he couldn't get the credibility he deserves beyond the boxing faithful. Hay didn't live up to the expectations that he promised, and Lewis was never really accepted by the British public because he was a Canadian. Even if AJ loses a fight fans in Britain will not turn their backs on him just like fans didn't turn on Bruno because we can relate we can relate to him the same uh, as AJ I don't think many fans in the us can relate to the bomb squad he writes um, he's got okay. some more i, I want to comment um real quickly uh because uh, uh i uh, I'm gonna have to take a quick break here um, but uh uh you know I Never, I think Anthony Joshua is a class act uh, outside of the ring, and, and I think uh, that's a, a breath of fresh air. Frank Bruno uh, seemed to have the same uh, uh, personality. And, you know, the funny thing about Lennox Lewis, I never was a big fan of Lennox Lewis uh, until uh, he stayed retired. I, I've gained more respect for him uh, now that uh, he's uh, retired and stayed retired. And I always wondered what the hell he was anyway. Was he a Brit? Was he a Canadian? You know, I mean, he. Uh, it's funny that uh, that Johnston uh, writes that. But, uh, uh, you know, whenever you're in the, the public eye, you're, you're going to be uh, set up for uh, for
1: criticism. Don't you think so? Let me tell you, it's just, even though I'm not a super celebrity or anything else I thought I might have risen to for my boxing, you know, my life isn't over yet. But let me tell you something. Whenever you are on a pinnacle or on top of a mountain or on top of somewhere else, you are open and you are a target. Hey, and- hey Sal, I just want to say something here. You know, I, I lean over as
2: you're talking. I look at the chat room, and I can't help but read a comment that you made. Uh, you wrote, uh, you know, I think you're right, Willie. I'm laying off the buttons until later. Well, as everyone can see that's watching on the TV version right now, Sal did not lay off the buttons because we don't have his video anymore. So uh, we appreciate that, Sal. Maybe you can fix that while we take a <laughs> short break. You know, I, I, I Sal is uh, mechanically, well, not mechanically, but technology-inclined. Uh, so, uh, uh, Sal, find the right buttons. Get back on the camera. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache.
1: Oh, that hurts.
2: That's my face. I hate
0: you. I hate you. <laughs> That's billycboxing.com.
2: Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And uh, we're back. You're watching and listen. To the Billy C show. Glad you could be with us today. And, uh, we finally got Mr. Technology, uh, back on camera, but, uh, I, I don't Found know. It. I don't know. Between that and your set today, Sal, uh, you got me, uh, you got me all discombobulated, you know, and your, your, uh, connection sounds like, you, you know, you better throw those squirrels another couple of walnuts to keep them running, man. But, uh, uh, anyway, anyway, back to this email because it's starting to get good. I glanced uh, over the uh, end of it here, and uh, uh, Johnson says, Dax made some outrageous comments and almost sounded like a real hater of AJ and a lover of Wilder. I, I don't know if that's the case, but uh, anyway, he says, I mean, Joshua's slowly becoming the flavor of the month. Yeah, that was a kind of... I was shocked when Dax said that, Sal. You know, when he said that, I was like, what the hell's he talking about? You know, I mean... Uh, Joshua is by no means the flavor of the month. I mean, uh, the guy's a real deal. Uh,
1: what did you think of that comment by uh, uh, Dax? I, You know, I, I believe Dax, knowing Dax, I, I think that he was looking just at the assessment of how, you know, we are putting a fighter, not just AJ, of how maybe we, we put him up there, and uh, uh, tout him as being the, the new uh, uh, ambassador of boxing, if you will, and uh, realizing that guess what? He's human and he's vulnerable, and he could be exposed to be less than what we or others put him up to being. And uh, I don't think it was, it was a, a vicious comment. I don't think it was anything that was anything else just to what he expressed in his opinion that uh maybe it was the fighter of the month that he fought and take him as the flavor of the month uh, i think surely that dax does realize that anthony joshua if you want to say the heavy heavyweight division is less than spectacular maybe joshua could be looked at as the best of the bad right now but there are some good contenders there are some good fighters out there in the heavyweight division and like i said i think uh, uh not to talk for dax but i i I'll give him a little pass on I, I don't think he was really just a uh, uh, slam bashing Anthony Joshua uh, at, at that moment. I think he uh, was just giving an opinion as far as what that performance turned in. But I, I think Dax can explain it for better himself. Well, like I said to him on Monday, I thought he was way off base, way off base. But uh, anyway... Uh, he
2: says there were uh, some
1: things there were some things I told you I did agree, but it wasn't it wasn't the whole thing. But there were some things that I felt, you know, that uh, um, that I did chime in and said I, I kind of felt that Dax was on uh, something there. But that uh, made kind of sense. But uh, we'll we'll have to review his that his, curti- his criticisms
2: of of uh, Anthony Joshua and the manner in which he criticized. My criticism was he looked ordinary and I got a lot of heat for that, which, you know, to me it really wasn't I wasn't really being that negative. But Dax was negative. And, you know, by su- just like Johnson says, by suggesting that Joshua's the flavor of the month,
1: uh that's kind of a fighter up there on a pedestal and we wanna believe he's all that he is and and that he can be the world beater that he is. But guess what? In the end of the day, like I said, Bill, I, I, I beat it up because styles do make fights. And for a fighter to shine and be uh, looking spectacular, he has to have the right dance partner. And, and you know, Takeem was a dance partner that uh, didn't allow uh, Anthony Joshua to flow as evenly. That's all.
2: Well, you know, I mean, you know, Dax, in my opinion, Uh, on Monday uh, followed uh, the same as a lot of young fans where, you know, they watch a fighter, they like a fighter, and then all of a sudden the fighter doesn't look good and and they start using the E word, the exposed. He was exposed. He was exposed. And Dax, although he didn't say that, he gave that, uh, it was sort of like that uh, sound. It was sounding like he was beating around a bush. But again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I respect Dax's. If he feels that uh, Anthony Joshua is not all that, then, you know, good for him. I disagree. I do think Anthony Joshua is all that. I think he's the uh, best heavyweight in the world. And I think uh, that, you know, he, he he had a fight against an awkward guy, and maybe he's looking ahead for bigger and better things. And And like some of the emailers said earlier, the guy knocked him out. I mean, you know, you can't just like people couldn't. They shouldn't have criticized Timothy Bradley when the judges robbed uh, Manny Pacquiao of a win. You know, and then Timothy Bradley took the heat. Well, it's the same situation. You can't blame AJ for the referee stopping the fight. He didn't stop the fight. He wanted to knock out. So true. And, so and, true. And not only that, but Anthony Joshua. I'm telling you that, and I don't know this. Nobody told me this, but it's so obvious. You know that they worked on, and and they probably are continuing to work on breaking an opponent down. Sal, you know when when we look at one of Anthony Joshua's weaknesses, and people could say his chin. They say the same thing about Deontay. They said the same thing about Klitschko. And you know, yeah, they they've uh, they've been down. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, I don't know if I don't know if uh, Deontay's been down in a in a pro fight. I know he's been hurt, but. Uh, I don't know if he's been down, but they, you know, the bottom line is uh, they, with the exception of uh, Anthony Joshua just knocking out Klitschko, he hasn't been knocked out. Obviously, Deontay hasn't been knocked out, um, but you know, I, I could see a team like Anthony Joshua's, who's always trying to get better, go back and review the tapes from the Klitschko fight. And just like I said earlier, this was a career-defining fight. But I could see them go back to the tape and sit in the, and, and reviewing the tape and saying, hey, um, look, here, here's what we did. We ran out of gas, AJ. You know, so what can we do to run out of gas? Well, let's see why you ran out of gas. And assuming that he does the correct conditioning and everything, I mean, I, you know, unless a fighter just doesn't want to do the conditioning, I would think that the top upper echelon fighters are doing the road work and doing what they have to do. Maybe they have to mix that up a bit. I don't know. But they probably are saying, listen, here's what you did wrong. And when I have re-watched that fight, you know, the thing he did do wrong was he tried to, you know, he started off a little slow and cautious, but then he tried to take out Klitschko quickly, which he was accustomed to. Let's face it, AJ was accustomed to taking out fighters quickly. Um, maybe that's part of why they said, no, here's how you accomplish two things. One, you break a fighter down not only are you conserving energy by doing so you're weakening your opponent and just be patient to take him out in the later rounds and I think that that was Anthony Joshua's game plan going into the Carlos Takam fight and he displayed that he did that because you did see him pour it on a little bit then all of a sudden it was like he almost said to himself oh wait a minute I gotta finish. Not, I gotta finish breaking down my opponent, you know. And then in some of the post-fight interviews, he said, "Hey, I called for this knockout in the tenth, eleventh, or twelfth round," which is also an indication that they were working on something. That's what I see as
1: as somebody looking in from the outside. Sal, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do, Bill. It's like I said earlier, twice I said the other day and today that, you know, I I think they were concerned that, hey, you don't blow out your gas and your combinations and you try to dispose of an opponent once you do have them hurt. You know, you, you do it methodically. You take them down. You dismantle them if you can. And so, you know, not to be a hypocritical, but, you know, that's what I think he was working on. They were, see, a fighter will take a, a, a fight and he'll learn from it. He'll have his camp point things out. Okay, we got to work on this. We got to work on that. So when he had the occasion to work on it during this, the course of this past fight, that's exactly what I believe he did. Because I felt that Anthony Joshua, not at any time, but most of any time, could have done away or, or taken out, take him. And uh, I, uh, I, I thought he had the power. I thought he had the ability. And I don't think that Anthony Joshua felt at any time he was in real jeopardy of, of getting tagged or hurt or uh, uh, losing that fight the other night. So I think he was utilizing what his team suggested, you know, not blow it all out once you got an opponent, opponent down. Take your time. Dismantle. Let's see you get through this and and hurt him and take him apart one by one. And then you drop the bomb later on and see what happens. And, yes, we can't help it. The referee did stop the fight. In fact, I gave my opinion. I thought the referee was uh, pro-Joshua on every indicator that I saw. And uh, he wanted the fight over, too. So, like I said, that was my observation as an armchair uh, boxing fan and quarterback, but uh, the bottom line is, you know, I, I thought that the 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 uh, referee called the fight, and uh, he did it for whatever reason he chose to do it. I thought he could have let the fight go on one or two more more uh, minutes, but who uh, uh, So I, I, I can't even say. Forget
2: I don't know. It. I don't know if I agree. You know, because when 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 you think about the fight and you get a chance to rewatch it, like I've done a few times. Not frame by frame like Dax, but uh, I've rewatched the fight a few times, and you know, I, I mean, truthfully, one of the emailers earlier was right. You know, uh, Carlos De was cut. He was cut pretty bad. He kept pawing at the cut with his with his glove. He also indicated like he wanted some type type of uh, you know, I don't know that he wanted to get treated. It seemed he looked at the ref. and The ref had stopped the action. And said, "Are you quitting? Are you quitting the fight?" And maybe like, maybe no, that occurred. No, maybe we don't know that. No, maybe we, we do know that. Way we, out do, we do know that. It happened. He stopped yeah. the action and he looked at the fighter. It happened during the fight. He looked at the fight. He says, Are you quitting? Do you want me to stop the fight? And then Carlos Tacom said, No. So he's okay, continue. And then they, they went to the corner. They kind of stopped the bleeding, but Carlos Tacom still kept pouring at it, pouring at it, pawing it. And then in between, uh, you know, during rounds, the uh, referee, and, uh, prior to the start of a round, had the ringside physician look and check out the cut. And, uh, I mean, that's normal procedure. That's normal. the protocol. We, we, Larry Hazard, uh, which was scheduled to come on today, had a prior uh, engagement. So I would have loved to have asked him his thoughts on this. But, I mean, that's the protocol. And one thing I want to point out that I noticed about the uh, British ringside doctors, which, again, blows away... Some of the U.S. doctors, you know, how many times have you watched a, a fighter get cut in, a, in the United States? And then right after the, 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 the you know uh, minute rest, and the corner works on the cut, the physician is called in to check to see if the fighter can continue. And what does he do? He rips apart the cut, looking DNA, everything that the man just did to patch it up. The, great, the doctor rips it apart. They didn't do that in England. The guy looked at the at the eye after it was attended to and determined that it was okay. To, you're laughing because it's true, right? I mean, <laughs> they do true, that, man. right? How
1: many times did my eye look like an open stake? And, you know, I was during the days when they could put cement in your eye or whatever, not really, clodium and this one and that one, and all these things that are banned today. And, you know, I remember one fight. Where I where I had thirty eight stitches here. Don Turner was putting in the collodium and all this stuff, whatever it might have been, and and, <laughs> and the rig side position came back to me after in, in between and just you know chipped the whole stuff off. And out and the blood's pouring out and it's like well you just took my my ringside s- surgeon's uh, work You just threw it out the door of course it's gonna let the blood flow right it was funny no, I, I, the they,
2: they all seem to do that it's it is funny but anyway <laughs> continuing with the email he says uh uh, you know, meaning he says, "I mean, Joshua slowly becoming the flavor of the month." He's he's uh, talking about Dax's comments. He says, "Come on, man, he is the flavor of the year this side of the pond, whether you like it or not." Watch him pick up several awards come the end of the year. I mean, how many fighters can sell out attendances like he does? He won a world title in his 16th fight, uh, and that was because Charles Martin called him out, and and he knew he could beat him. That wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. That just shows you the depth of the heavyweight division. It's shallow, and A.J. is the big fish in a small pond. Um, he is a big fish in a small pond. Uh, the sanctioning bodies make the division look weak because we don't have ranked contenders that are truly ranked. Their uh, number one contender in one division is not even ranked in another, and that's the problem. But if you did have... 10. If you if you were able to pick out the 10 best heavyweights in the world, I think they're not as bad as people think. You know, we got a guy fighting this weekend, Dominic Brazil, who I think could beat Deontay Wilder. Uh, he's better than people give him credit for, and he's just learning. He was a late bloomer. He was a football player with an injury forced him to, to take up boxing. Um, as far as uh, Charles Martin, he, in my opinion, had no business uh, being a world champion. But like I say all the time, You know, there's two rules I follow with my fighters. Never turn down a world title shot and never turn down a humongous purse, regardless of the situation. And AJ and his team, they weren't ready for a title fight. They were certainly planning a different uh, approach to his career, but that uh, title shot came in his hands and they took advantage of it and the rest is history, history. Uh, he, one last uh, point he makes, he says, we can all agree that A.J. struggled because it decides it to come and because he only had two weeks to make slight alterations. I honestly don't believe there's anyone around at the moment that can beat Anthony Joshua, and that's not because he's the best thing since sliced bread. It's because there aren't anyone else good enough. Maybe in a few years' uh, time, Daniel Dubois will be the young buck that takes over, but then again, he's only in the early stages of his career, so who knows? Um, Listen, you know. Uh, thanks for the email, Johnston. And you could catch uh, Johnson; he uh, actually has a column up on Boxing dot com. Um, you know, I, the thing is, is that I I, I do agree that uh, boxing fans today, Sal, have a tendency to jump the gun a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think the 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 fact that they've been force fed showcase fight. You see, this is this is where this is my reason, okay? I, and this is a perfect time to throw it back in everybody's face. You know, when I sound critical and negative all the time, and I'm saying, oh, this guy didn't fight this one, et cetera, et cetera, these are the reasons why. If you're a young fan and you have drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and you look at a guy in his career, at least the last decade of his career, in a guy like Floyd Mayweather, who cherry picked his opponents and picked the guys at the right time, and 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 or if you're a fan of Showtime and we're watching up until this year because this year has been a great year, um, you know fights that you know you have the clearly the A side versus the B side, and you watch a guy come in and destroy the other guy, and and you know I come on the show the following day and I say, well that was a showcase fight that he had no business fighting that guy, so on and so forth. Well, these are the reasons. You know, when they climb the ladder, and Sal and I have talked about the rungs of a ladder. We have talked about it a million times. If you climb the ladder of contenders, even the watered-down contenders in, in whichever sanctioning body you decide to align yourself with, if you climbed that ladder in a progression of some sorts, the fighter would naturally get better as time goes on. But because of the nature of the business, because of the, the, the Kool-Aid thought process of least risk, max reward, don't fight anybody tough if you're going to get paid, not do that I disagree with that mentality, but that has turned the sport into what we have. So you see a guy like Anthony Joshua who has uh, taken over the heavyweight division have what I call a bad night, even though it wasn't bad. When you look at the statistics, he still battered his opponent. He still won every round. Some people gave to come one round. I didn't. Uh, but, you know, he beats every... And he wins by stoppage, and that was a poor performance. It was an ordinary performance, as I put it. Uh, yeah, you could see where uh, people are defensive, Sal. But the truth is, is that, you know, the truth is simply, if fighters climb the ladder... We would be seeing better fights at this level. You wouldn't see a guy that dominates for 10 or 12 rounds.
1: No, it's true. And like I said, the early days that I remember is you get a ranking. You're in the top 10, top 15. You're looking to fight. You're challenging yourself. You're looking to fight. If I, if I was top uh, 15, I'm looking to fight somebody in the top 10. Once I'm in the top 10, I'm looking to some, to fight somebody in the top five and and that's, that's the way it used to go and that, that's the way it should go
2: yeah well I mean yeah. I, I, it should but it don't but uh it does not anyway hey uh <coughs> some other uh let's just get people caught up here we're gonna be uh taking a break we're kicking you to the curb I got Alex Papali sure. coming on just when I get my system through. working huh uh, yeah well um well. you threw me off here with this day you know but uh Anyway, I threw you off. I forgot to mention.
1: Hey, it's uh, like a fighter. You gotta, you gotta go into the ring of battle, not knowing all the elements involved. here. So you know, you rise to the occasion. You get hit. You know this and that. It's. It, I, I threw you off. I'm sorry. You know, it was. It was a, in, I, I need a
2: pass. In some other. Go, uh, to, you know, go, go, go back. Me, go back to detention. You're getting no pass. Um, back <laughs> to uh, some other sports. In the World Series, what a game last night. I, I tell you the truth. This really. I, just outside of boxing here for a sec. This really has been one of the most entertaining World Series. It and, has, and and it to has. tell you the truth, tell you the truth, the playoffs the playoffs leading up to the World Series were pretty entertaining too. I mean, uh, they have all been tough games. Uh, even even game Dramatic 5, games, yeah. you know, when when you look at game 5 the other night and and you have arguably the two best pitchers for each team, low run pitches. A guy yeah, you know Clayton Kershaw. I mean, nobody can hit this guy. And the and at the end of the night, the final score is thirteen to twelve. You know, uh, fourteen hits each. You know, I mean, you're like, oh my god, it you breaks know? the rule. Yeah, you know, it's like, geez, you know. And and the Dodgers. Remember something? The Astros have hit more runs, over a hundred more runs. I believe it's 120 something more runs than every other team in Major League Baseball for the, for 2017 for the, for this season. So I mean, this is a run scoring team. They 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 can smash the ball. There's no question about it. Well, last night it looked like it was going to start off to the same. Uh, in the uh, third inning, uh, the Astros uh, were up at the ba- uh, up at the plate uh, top of the third, and Springer crushed one uh, to give the uh, Astros a a one nothing lead and um Hill was on the mound, and he was pitching good uh for the Dodgers I, you know I, the... I I I couldn't stay awake man I, you know a couple of scotches and and then some uh I was I was nodding out um we had
1: that uh, we'll deal with
2: yeah and uh I you know I, I missed all the fireworks I, I nodded out and uh, uh caught the the, the end and, and the recap but in the bottom of the sixth the Dodgers put up two runs uh to go ahead Uh, two to one, and then uh, in the bottom of the third, they put up an insurance uh, home run, a a solo shot uh, to win three to one to force uh, a game seven. Now, uh, in in case you're wondering, the Dodgers were down three games to two uh, leading, uh, you know, going into this game, which is back in L.A., so the Astros only really had to win one of two to, to, to become a World Series champion. Well, now all bets are off. Uh, the series is tied. You don't look at who won what. You don't look at who's pitching. Everybody's available. This, the, the, the World Series is tied three games apiece. It will be determined who wins the World Series tonight. So make sure you watch it. Uh, I'm anticipating another great game. Uh, we'll see who. Uh, I know uh, uh, Kershaw is not starting uh, for uh, uh, the Dodgers. And remember, Verlander was on the mound last night for the Astros. But don't be surprised if you see Kershaw and Verlander and all everybody else that can throw a ball get in the game tonight because tonight it's all on the line. And uh, we will know. By tomorrow morning, who the World Series champion is. So uh, good luck to both of these teams. They're both, uh, in my opinion, the two best teams in baseball for 2017. And uh, justifiably, they're in the World Series. So I'm looking forward to this. Dodgers topped the Astros last night 3-1 to uh, to force a Game 7. In the NBA, the Pacers beat the Kings 1-1 to 83 my nets suck. You know what is it with all my teams, Sal? You know,
1: uh, one- I think you know what, Bill. I don't know if it. It's, it's, you choose the wrong teams, man. I, I don't know. You just gotta. It's that. It's that. It's that gray, gray cloud syndrome. I, I don't know. You 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 ever see that movie? Um, uh, what was it called with uh, Richard Dreyfus about a horse race uh, track, and uh, he's always losing and this and that. And he finally picks a winner or whatever the heck. And he feeling, he's feeling lucky for the day. That's what we need. We need you to get that lucky string together. My two favorite Richard
2: Dreyfuss movies, <laughs> obviously Jaws. Jaws, he was, he Jaws. was We're
1: going to need a bigger boat.
2: But the other one, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to need a bigger boat. Um, the, other one, the other one is American Graffiti. I thought he was great in American Graffiti.
1: I forgot all about him. He's a star. Graffiti, he was a star. He was the one. How did a... I forget that
2: class? He was chasing around. Uh, I think it was Daryl Hannah, wasn't it? In, uh, I think
1: it was Daryl Hannah. Wasn't like she the blonde? And oh the Young Stars yeah. who were teenagers, looked like high school bebops. I think it was her. I, for some reason, I think
2: it was her in the uh, in that uh, T Bird. But anyway, um, <laughs> the Thunder. Be- they, by the way, the Suns beat the Nets 122 114. The Thunder beat the Bucks 110 91. And uh, the Lakers stopped the Pistons 113-93. Over in the NHL, three games: uh, the Rangers beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights six to four. Red Rings beat the Coyotes uh, five to three, and the Jets beat the Wild two to one. Um, that was uh, in some other sports. And and one thing I want to mention. Uh, before we kick you to the curb, you know I'm an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. They're my oh, college football Crimson team. Tide, Sam, but but I but I also love the Georgia Bulldogs and Boise State. Those yes, are my three prove. favorite three favorite uh, college teams: uh, Alabama, Boise State, and Georgia Bulldogs. And uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. It was announced uh, last night that they going into the uh, uh, you know uh, college championship series. They actually are ranked as the number one team over my Crimson Tide. So they, uh, according to the championship series, um, you know, the powers that be, they have uh, Georgia in the driver's seat. Now, remember, assuming Georgia can get by Auburn and face uh, uh, Alabama, which they'll face either way, whether they get by Auburn or not, uh, for the SEC championship, and assuming Alabama wins uh, their next games, Uh, one of those two teams is going to have a loss, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how the BCS uh, uh, ranks these college teams. I'm thinking that uh, if Alabama and Georgia both go undefeated until they face each other, either team that loses still should find themselves in a BCS championship. One of the wild-card teams uh, here in the mix is Notre Dame, uh, who's uh, in uh, the tops as well. And uh, uh, we got some other uh, good teams uh, up there. Penn State dropped. They lost. Uh, Ohio State won. They moved up. Their only loss is to Alabama. So we got a pretty exciting uh, college uh, playoff uh, heading our way. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Anyway, um, I got one more email, which I'm going to read later. uh, And this has to do with uh, Triple D. You know who I'm talking about with Triple D, right?
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Who? Gentleman in the chat Room. No. Triple D <laughs> is now Daniel Dubois. His nickname is Dynamite Daniel Dubois, and they're referring to him now as Triple D. I caught that uh, in the press this morning, uh, and I have an email uh, from uh, my man Willie, uh, which I'm going to read really quickly when uh, when it comes time because He doesn't like me to drag out his emails, but uh, I am going to read it quickly, but not right now. Right now, we're going to take a break. Sal, you have a great day. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we're going to have my man Alex Papali with us, and we're going to talk about this week's blast from the past, a request from you guys, Benny Briscoe. Can't wait to talk about him. Be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy
0: C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache.
1: Oh, that
2: hurts. Why are you doing that
1: to my face? I hate you. I hate you. you.
2: That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy Billy
0: C. -C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, it's that time again. Uh, It's uh, one of my favorite uh, segments of the show and longest running. Uh, It's our Blast from the Past. This week's Blast from the Past is being brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check out the website, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Sign up today. Today's show, uh, well, today's blast from the past is also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship computer game, or as Sal likes to refer to it, Alex's Magic Computer Box. Uh, it's actually just the Title Bout Championship computer game that you're going to have to. So uh, just uh, download a copy of it right now by visiting uh, our website, BillyCBoxing.com. This week's blast from the past um, is. Uh, a request, and if you have a request to do a blast, just drop me an email: Billy at T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, we got several uh, coming up to you, and I love getting the requests from you guys because it gives me a feel for you know what you're thinking. Uh, is it one of your favorite fighters? Is it a guy you just want to learn about, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? And this week is one of these guys, one of these kinds of guys that is a throwback fighter that would be fantastic in every era, except I wonder how fans would have looked at him today, how people base their opinion of fighters on records alone, without looking at who they fought, where they fought, how long they fought, etc. This week's Blast from the Past is on Benny Briscoe, and joining me right now to tell us all about Benny Briscoe, fully clothed, And uh, ready to roll uh, is my man, uh, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, Benny Briscoe. Were you as excited about doing Benny Briscoe as I was when I got the request?
0: Yes. uh, This guy's really good. And, um, you know, unfortunately for him, I think, uh, and this is something I found a a quote um, from Russell Peltz, and I think there's another. Or there was another article that was titled something along the lines of, you know, he was sort of a guy born in the wrong time. He was born uh, right between the ages of um, real, uh, you know, lucrative uh, TV boxing. And I think uh, he could have made a lot more money. If he was around today, he would have picked up a few titles and um, he uh, would have made a lot more money. And... Um, he had a really exciting style. Uh, it's just that the, the TV wasn't... It was sort of in the transition phase there where um, uh, the TV of, like, the 50s, um, you know, wasn't quite... The the purses weren't quite as generated uh, as high in the 70s.
2: No, but, I, I mean, the funny thing about this guy... No, no, you're, you're 100% correct. But the funny thing about this guy was that, you know, the way, um, the way f- uh, fans look at uh, fighters today and, um, you know, a record, uh, they might not give – they might not – if he was around today, they might not have given him uh, the credit that he got during his own era and years later. I mean, we still look at him uh, as, uh, as a great fighter. Unfortunately, he's not in the Hall of Fame. I- I'm not sure why. Um, but, I, I think part of it is that he just hasn't been on the ballot, which
0: makes me wonder why. Um, at least that was one of the articles I read, uh, which was uh, in the obituary um, Bernard Fernandez wrote. Um, so it was right after his death that he hadn't been on the ballot yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it seems weird, especially on a year like this where, you know, there's maybe one or two uh, shoe ins and then. Uh, it's going to be interesting who gets that third spot. What are you banging a uh, bass I think drum? If Benny Briscoe was on it, he'd get it. What
2: are you banging a bass drum today or what? I keep hearing uh, Maybe uh, it's the table. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Cool. I am. Oh, maybe the microphone's not close enough to me. Uh, oh, wow. You sound way is, better. I'm
0: getting strange. Is that what's way better? <laughs> well, it's
2: way better. That, that would be good to uh, have the mic close. But yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at. I put the headphones on without the mic. Yeah, when you look at some of these guys he fought. Um that he went the distance with, guys that are known uh, of destroying people, you know, Carlos Monzon, uh, you know, Rodrigo uh, Valdez, um, you know, uh, Emil Griffith, he had a couple of Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, uh, Eugene Cyclone Hart, the original uh, Cyclone Hart, uh, like I said, Emile Griffith, Vito Anafermo, Marvin Hagler. I mean, all these great fighters he goes the distance with. And I, I know that sometimes we look at the Hall of Fame and we say, well, you know, he's got he's he fought so and so, who's in the Hall of Fame, but he lost. You know, and and you've uh, been pretty accurate with the Hall of Famers saying, well, you know, I, I kind of see a trend. You know, when they beat uh, other Hall of Famers, they kind of get in. And Benny Briscoe came up short uh, against uh, all these names I just mentioned, uh, Hall of Famers that he came up short against, but considering the era and the fact that he's fighting all these guys, all these guys, it's not like he fought one or two of them. You know, he fought them all, you know, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty uh, mind-boggling. Anyway, tell us about uh, Benny Briscoe as uh, young. Uh, just start off like you always do. All right, sure thing,
0: yeah. I'm sorry I didn't have the mic there, just completely spaced. Uh, But yeah, Benny Briscoe, he was born on February 8th, 1943, in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, He was the oldest of uh, nine children, and um, he was a kid who, uh, he was just athletic. Um, In high school, uh, he played football, and he did very well in football, and he also ran track, uh, and he listened to doo-wop music. Um, at 16 years old, he moved in with his uh, great aunts, uh, Georgia May and Skippy, in North Philadelphia. And uh, that's where he uh, started boxing, um, where he um, went to the 23rd PAL gym there in North Philly. And uh, as an amateur, he, he won some regional titles. He, or actually, he, I think he was second in the uh, national uh, AAU. Uh, in 1962. And he piled up a terrific record as, a, as an amateur. Uh, one of the articles I saw credited him at 70 victories, only three defeats. And he turned professional at 19 years old, September 10th, 1962. And he became very popular in Philadelphia, um, eventually in the whole world. Um, he was, a, as a fighter, what was there not to like? Um, you know, he had that uh, the, the shaved head, so he had that fearsome kind of uh, uh, hard-edged look. He had great punching power. Uh, a chin carved out of solid rock. He was very aggressive. He had a, um, a crouching, bob and weave type of style uh, with a nasty left hook. And... Um, you know, one of the things that I love about boxing, you know, I, I'm a, a comic book guy. Uh, that was one of the things I loved as a kid growing up and in, in, to a great degree sports, uh, boxing, any, any sport is in a way it's uh, um, an extension of adolescent um, male fantasy. Um, so, you know, that is one of the things that one, one of the things I loved about boxing that is very similar to comic books is that you you could be a badass There's another badass out there who might have a style that can beat you and maybe not beat you every day, but beat you once. And I think maybe this is what I was missing from what you were alluding to at the opener here is that uh, Briscoe lost. But he came back, and that was one of the things that I—that happens in comic books. You know, guys get their asses kicked, but then they figure out, okay, this is how I fight the Green Goblin, and the next time I fight him, I kick his ass. And that's exactly what Benny Briscoe did. People beat him, but he avenged those defeats. And that's always, to me, a great a sign of a great fighter. Is that not like we've you know just had this era. Of uh, you know your O is everything. Never lose, never lose. Now you know losing, especially if it's a decision loss where you fought your ass off, like the first time when he loses to Carlos Monzón in Argentina, um, he he thought of that as a win. Um, and the next time, you know, in a lot of the guys that Briscoe lost to, the next time he faced them, he won. He
2: avenged defeats. Well, that that's what I think boxing. Lacks today, Alex. It lacks the the fighter that learn. You see, a, a guy like Benny Briscoe, I- as successful as he was as an amateur, the pro game was a lot different than it is today. This he falls into that category where I say, and I know you always like when I say this. You've used it before back at me, but boxing was a trade. You know, these guys. Uh, you know, they they became a fighter. And like any trade, you go to work every day, you know, and you got to make a living. And how do you make a living? Inside the boxing ring. And so when you look at this guy's uh, resume and you see how often he fought, uh, similar to uh, the, the generations prior to him, and then after him, it started to, to change a little bit where fighters don't fight as often. Uh, they might spar more, but uh, but they, they don't fight real fights. Benny Briscoe was not that guy. He fought a lot. Of fights and some days he was on and some days he was off and like you said he would always want to avenge a fighter uh, a, a fight uh, avenge a loss or come back and 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 look good after a, a poor performance that's something that fighters don't even get the chance to do today and and while we're at it a guy like Benny Briscoe was not being overprotected. he wasn't being coddled uh, if there was a fight and they needed a, a a guy that was willing, ready, and able to fight, Benny Briscoe was the guy. I'll fight him, you know, and we don't have those guys today. And and one of the reasons we don't have them isn't because maybe the fighter doesn't want to do that. It's because they lose value if they do that. So it's kind of a catch-22. We blame a lot of fighters today. Uh, oh, he doesn't fight at this guy. Oh, he'll only fight this but realistically, the truth of the matter is, is it may not be the fighter's fault. I'm sure there's fighters out there that like to cherry pick and pick their own fights and, you know, make everything, all the consolations in their favor and stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's fighters out there that do that. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, there are other fighters that would love to fight everybody and anybody, but they're advised to be careful because if they get that L... All of a sudden, the networks don't want to air them. The the fight opportunities aren't there. That wasn't the case for Benny Briscoe.
0: Absolutely not, yeah. And I think that that was, yeah, I think in a way it's interesting because um, I think you do bring up an issue here that to some degree, maybe not only was boxing a trade, but um, fans um, were uh, entertained with, I don't know how to describe it. What I'm what the point I'm trying to make here, but um, not not so much entertain with less, but it didn't have to be, um, uh, you know, every time was supposed to be a blockbuster fight. And a lot of times, when what we have now is every fight, almost every fight is billed like that, whether it is or not. So it's like you don't know what the truth is um, nowadays. I mean, back then, uh, you know, watching a ten rounder. Uh, It didn't have to be, you know, have some trinket attached to it to think be thought of as a decent, interesting matchup, you know. And I think a lot of his fights uh, were like those kind of things. Um, The uh, he, you know, toiled in in relative, you know, he was local and very popular. He brought the crowds in, but, um, it was a while before he, uh, finally got a shot. Uh, and, and again, it's in the guy's hometown of Buenos Aires, but that's a great fight against Carlos Monzon. Um, and you know, and again, this is a time when there's one world champion, you know, it wasn't like there was uh, multiple titles you could pick up and, um, and in, a, in an age like that, like if we were today, I'm sure he would have. Um, he probably would have had multiple titles.
2: Yeah, so many fighters of yesteryear um, would have been champions today. But, you know, he always reminded me, you know, when you look at his style, his physical appearance, I mean, this guy, Marvin Hagler always came to mind for, uh, in my head. I, I mean, he fought like I, for some reason, I thought Hagler fought him twice. But uh, it looks like only once. But um, yeah, once. And one one of the things that was interesting is that that's a
0: pretty pretty damn good fight. It's on YouTube. Um, he's way past his prime. He's thirty five when he fought Marvin. And uh, the quote that I have here did I did I uh, type it down? He um, Russell Peltz even then. Uh, oh no, Nigel Collins uh, says uh, the only time I ever saw Hagler back up most of a fight was against Benny. Benny was pretty much over the hill then, and Marvin was just coming into greatness, but even Hagler wasn't going to stand toe-to-toe with Briscoe. At the time, Briscoe was 35. The Marvelous One was 24. 24 with 43 fights.
2: Yeah. Hagler had 43 fights and
0: 24. In a way, Hagler was sort of the vindication of... Of uh you know, at least the the spirit of Briscoe um, because in that in, in that age, uh Hagler got the credit that Briscoe never did. And and it, it was weird that he kind of looked similar to him in with the shaved head uh and the aggressive, pressuring, power punching type uh style. Uh and also the Philly wars that Hagler had. I mean, that's the thing about Hagler that that people liked is that uh, he was sort of a throwback and part of what he was being a th- throwback to was Benny Briscoe was kind of weird exactly and it Benny seemed like you know of course they, they're both their own men but um, you know there was at least the bald heads you know
2: it's hard to uh, hard not to see the similarity and the styles were similar yeah the styles were definitely similar and, and another guy Benny Briscoe reminded me of uh, when you mentioned uh, in the beginning uh, that he had a a, a vicious hook uh, to the body, was Hurricane Carter was very similar in style and and physique and another and appearance. ball <laughs> I, and I know and an appearance, you know, and uh, uh, it was a tough era. Those guys were tough, you know. It was it was almost like the end that the, the the boxing as it was known went out with a bang, so to speak, because all these guys, the Benny Briscoes, the Marvin Haglers, the the Hurricane Carters, all those guys. You know, we're coming up at the same time. Well, Hagler, obviously, a little later. But, um, you know, and then it's gone. You know, the 80s, you know, then after the 80s came, I mean, and when people say that to me all the time, oh, you know, the 80s, the last great era of boxing. And I swear to God, I I say this all the time, Alex. If you would have come up to me in 1985, 1987 and said, hey, Bill, uh, you think you're witnessing the last great era? I would have laughed. And I would have said this, the great era? I wouldn't have even given the 80s the credit that I do now because it's never been anything close to that since and you go prior to that and you have these kinds of guys the Benny Briscoes of the world yeah yeah it is funny uh, you know and I, and it, well one
0: of the things that um was amazing about this guy also was and and I think also part of the um the style that we're talking about is a Philly fighter uh this sort of um aggressive Willing to slug style and, um, you know, to get in there and, uh, to, you know, do harm as well as, you know, be willing to take a licking. And, uh, that was something that, um, You know, that I think traditionally people uh, really admired at the time and maybe in a way we've shifted. I think styles change. You know, I, I just got a haircut yesterday and the barber was remarking about how the haircuts he cuts today are the same haircuts he was cut in 1940. All these years later, they're back again that's the thing that happens i think in boxing uh as well in anything uh styles come uh they ebb and flow right now you know that kind of as much as there's a there's tremendous fan base for a slugging philly style there's always going to be a fan base for that because people like that um you know maybe some of uh some people uh fans today might not like that i mean today We've had the Mayweathers, the Roy Joneses have sort of made a counterpunching style, uh, a more defensive minded style, uh, fighting off your back foot uh, a little more trendy. Uh, But back then, yeah, the trend was for, uh, you know, guys who like to go cheek to cheek, jowl to jowl and mix it up. Uh, and he certainly did. And yeah, that's the thing about this is that, um, you know, all these fights were the fights with Monzone were great. The fight with um, Emil Griffith, you know, um, so that, yeah, when you think about Hall of Famers, you got Luis Rodriguez, who we did a couple of weeks ago, Emil Griffith, marvelous Marvin Hagler, um, Carlos Monzone. He fight, fights them all, a couple of them, uh, Rodriguez multiple times, Monzone multiple times. Um, but they're all losses. Uh, but as we've seen, um, I, I don't know, these are tough, close losses. The the first fight with Monzon, some people thought he won. Um, but again, it was in it was in Buenos Aires. So Uh, I don't know. He also had fights with, um, he had a win over Eddie Mustafa Muhammad when he was a middleweight. Um, And the fights with Rodrigo Valdez, even Valdez is a guy you could consider getting into the Hall of Fame. He is not a Hall of Fame Hamer either. Oh, wait a minute. I missed another one. He uh, lost to Vito Antifermo.
2: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I mean, in terms of a record, I mean, come on. Uh, People talk about Vinny Pazienza. Please, don't let Vinny Pazienza get... It's wonderful he came back from a broken neck. But if he gets in there before a guy like Benny Briscoe, it would be a tragedy.
2: I mean, you you mentioned, you know, uh, some of the wins, but, uh, you know, he did uh, some of the losses, but some of the wins, I mean, he did beat, uh, like we said, uh, Cyclone Hart. Billy Douglas was a good fighter. Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, but also Vincent Rondon. He was a good fighter. You know, Georgie Benton he beat... Benton yeah. is more known another as another great Philly fighter, right? And but Georgie Benton is known as a as a great trainer, but he was a great hell great of a trainer. fighter, you know. So, um, one other thing that I found interesting, uh, especially today, uh, with the uh, resurgence of uh, of racism and and stuff that we see, and uh, make no mistake, uh, during Benny Briscoe's uh, uh, career. Uh, the racial tensions in in the u.s were were probably uh as high as they are now uh if not worse and he chose to wear uh, uh the jewish star of david on his boxing trunks um because of two reasons i found uh pretty uh interesting one was um uh because uh well some people said that he was he, he was wanted to practice being uh you know pr- being jewish wanted to practice the jewish faith but the truth was was that uh he was doing it in respect to his jewish managers which i found uh, pretty cool that he was uh able to uh uh do that uh during a, 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 a you know a time when maybe most other fighters wouldn't have chose to do that what's your thoughts
0: Wow, that's uh, that's very cool. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I I, do, I think I do remember in the fight with Hagler, he has the Jewish star on his trunks, doesn't
2: he? Yeah, he always did all all his trunks uh, going all the way back. Uh, at least uh, you know after the first fifteen <laughs> fights or so, uh, he wore the uh, the Jewish star. He also as we're Star running, David, I think. Yes, that's what I meant the Star <laughs> David. You know the Jewish star. You know, uh, but uh, uh, he also uh, was uh, in Ring Magazine's. Uh, one of the 100 greatest punches of all time, which is uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty impressive as well. Well, another thing that
0: I thought was interesting, and I, I'm not
2: sure maybe this Russell
0: Pelt is Russell, Russell Pelt's Jewish. I mean, maybe he was because he was his long-term man- manager. And one of the things that was interesting is eventually Peltz got to the point where he felt Briscoe was taking too much punishment and should retire. Um, and was damaging his legacy legacy, and not only that his, more so his health uh, and actually wrote a letter to some of the commissions and uh, several of them did go along with it uh, but good old New York did not and um, so he kept fighting um, but uh, uh I don't know. I mean, Pelz has nothing but positive things to say about him now, of course. Um, But I I I mean, they did have have a separation there over something that – and that was one of the things Peltz actually says. He said, I didn't want to see him get hurt. I didn't want people coming around 10 years later and
2: pointing their fingers at me and saying, you know, you're the reason Benny is like this. Well, Peltz was his promoter for all those years. Um, He did have some Jewish managers. But listen, we're running out of time. I wanted to ask you, um, uh, how, how did he die? He died fairly young. He was only uh, sixty-seven years old. What, what was the cause of death? I know that you uh, read. You said you, you found his obit. I did find his obituary, but it just said
0: it just said he passed away uh, with family, huh. uh, peacefully. Want, it didn't mention uh, what it was, he, whether it was, you know, he must he uh, ha- heart attack or
2: what. Yeah, he must have been uh, battling an illness. How did he do in title bout? Um, He did very well uh, against, um, you know, the two headed
0: monster um, at light uh, at middleweight. Rather, Uh, right now we have, of course, Golovkin and Canelo, who, as far as I'm concerned, have unfinished business um, against uh, Golovkin. Uh, the first time they fight, Golovkin won a split decision. The scores are uh, 116 to 114 for Briscoe, overruled by scores of 116-115 and 116-114 for Triple G. All three judges scored the 6th and 11th rounds even, and Judge Billy Costello also scored the ninth, ninth even. There was no knockdowns in the fight, but I thought that was weird that, you know, you get. That, all those even rounds. When they fight 100 times, Briscoe does get the better of him. 56 victories, 39 defeats, 5 draws. He stops Triple G 42 times, and Golovkin won 26 of his 39 by KO. Uh, when he fights Canelo Alvarez, Canelo, the first time they fight, also wins a split decision. The scores are 116-112 um, uh, uh, for Benny Briscoe and overruled by one score of 114 113 and the golden boy friendly judge who had it 118 110 uh for cinnamon so it seems the game is aware of things go yeah, on that's cool um but alvarez put Brisco down with an uppercut in round number four wow i just had a weird like strange sound in my head um and uh, same thing against Canelo, uh, Briscoe gets the better of him. 56 victories, 38 defeats, 6 draws. Uh, he stops Cinnamon 23 times, and Alvarez won 10 of his 38 by knockout.
2: Interesting. Hey, one thing I want to add is, uh, you know, uh, you, you made a uh, comment cheek-to-cheek. You know, they fought cheek-to-cheek. Uh, you know, I, I can't help, and, and you know, as many, as much as fans want to say sweet science, oh, you know, they drank the Floyd and Mayweather Kool-Aid, oh, you know, it's better to be defensive, that's what boxing's about? No. And if you go back and you look at the interest level and the popularity of the sport of boxing, it was at its peak when the fighters went toe-to-toe, cheek-to-cheek, as as you said, Alex, and that's when people loved the sport of boxing and when it became what it is today – a lot of people stop watching it. So I mean, right, it, and
0: also you, the the look at guys like James Tony, uh, you can be defensive and still fight real close inside in an entertaining fashion and still um, cover up well. Um, you know, even like Winky Wright at his best, It's some of his better fights, uh, he covered up, but he was in there mixing it up.
2: So Terence um, Crawford, you know, Terence Crawford's a great example of it. Terrence Crawford can box and avoid punches, but he he's not afraid to mix it up. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I think you know guys that have that in close style uh, are uh, are always fun to watch. No doubt. I mean, that's one of the things that's that's fun about Anthony Joshua is that for a gigantic man, uh, he can fight inside and he's willing to fight inside. No
2: doubt. A uh, great job, Alex Benny Briscoe. Our blast from the past this week, former world middleweight title challenger. Uh, he had a career record. Of 66 wins, 53 uh, coming by knockout. He had 24 losses. He was stopped one time in the 24 losses. He had five draws, 660 rounds with a 55% knockout ratio. His total fights for his career, four short of 100. He had 96 fights, uh, fought for 20 years as a pro. I believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. Benny Briscoe. Our blast from the past this week. And like I said, Alex, great job. We will look forward to you next week, my man. All right. Thanks a lot, Billy C. That's uh, Alex Papali doing a a great job as usual. Listen, I got to take a short break. When I come back, I got an email I'm going to read very quickly. That's because it's from Willie. I'll be back in two. Billy C
1: will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network.
0: Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty
2: mustache.
1: Oh, that hurts. (laughs) Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you.
2: (laughs) That's
0: BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy Billy Interact with the show at
2: BillyCBoxing.com. And where... Back, you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, we got one more uh, email. Um, and this one's uh, from uh, my man Willie. It says, Hey, Billy C, um, the and thanks for the email, Willie. We appreciate it. Uh, okay, I went through it a little too quick. Uh, uh, anyway, he complains that I read his emails too fast. So he says, Hey, Billy C, I'm surprised that you think Daniel Dubois is a little short for today's heavyweight division. Um, we were going back and forth. I am going to pass by that uh, because uh, I made an error. Uh, for some reason, I thought that he, uh, w- Willie had sent me a, a link to an interview, and he's standing there next to the interviewer, and the interviewer is just as big as him. And and for some reason, I thought that uh, Dubois was uh, uh, was six uh, six foot one. And I had said to Willie, uh, you know he's, uh, he's short for heavyweight but Willie corrected me and I uh, looked for myself. He's six foot five. Uh, and by the way, five and0 with five knockouts. He's won seven rounds. Uh, just FYI, how good does this kid appear to be? He's 20 years old, his combined record of his opponents. first of all, his comp- he's had five fights, 10 times more fights, the combined total of fights his opponents had 50. But the best part is their combined records: forty wins, ten losses, no draws. Keep an eye on uh, Daniel Dubois. Anyway, um, Willie says uh, I just uh, finished listening to yesterday's show, so I wanted to give you uh, some recent quotes about uh, Frank. Uh, recent quotes from Frank Warren uh, regarding uh, Daniel Dubois. He says Anthony Joshua has already been knocked down by Daniel Dubois in sparring and will lose his heavyweight title. Uh, to Dubois next year Uh, that is a shock claim of uh, promoter Frank Warren who also promises uh, Man Mountain Dubois would not let uh, Joshua off the hook Uh, in an interview uh, that he had uh, um, against uh, with the Telegraph uh, he said uh, Dubois is the best heavyweight prospect I've seen I've ever seen at this stage there are obvious fights out there with uh, Wilder and Joseph Parker, the two other champions, but Daniel Dubois is very talented. I don't go crazy about young fighters because there's always uh, a long way to go, Uh, but Dubois is by far the best heavyweight at this stage of his career that I've seen in my boxing time. He says he's got a fantastic jab. He has real power. He's relaxed. He's a natural boxer and a puncher. Don't worry about Joshua running out of opponents. I think Dubois uh, could be ready in 12 months' time. I'd put him in with Parker after five more fights. There's always a question marks and things to answer, but I have talent here, mark my words. We've seen Joshua under pressure from Vladimir Klitschko and survive, but Klitschko turned the heat off and let him off the hook. This kid wouldn't have let him do that. I have a heavyweight who has Joshua's number all over it, and he just needs a little more experience, and he'll be ready to fight him. And, of course, he's talking about Dubois. And uh, Willie says, uh, well, Bill, uh, as you can see, Frank Warren uh, holds Daniel Dubois in very high regard. Let's hope it's true. Um, so, uh, yeah, I read uh, uh, Willie's uh, email in full, so I don't want him crying. I don't want to follow a trail of tears all the way back to England. Now, tomorrow, on tomorrow's show, we are not doing a live show on Friday. Uh, uh, I apologize for uh, two days uh, off this week, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I got some interesting comments from Deontay Wilder that I want to read tomorrow. I'm also going to break down and give you my predictions uh, of the big fights scheduled for this weekend. But on this day in boxing history, November 1st, in 1938, uh, Soli Krieger uh, knocks out Al Hostick in the first round to win uh, the world uh, middleweight title that took place in Seattle. On this day in 1907, Frank Mantel uh, knocks out Honey Melody in the 15th round to win the World Welterweight title, took place in Ohio. On this day in 1922, Mickey Walker wins a 15-round decision over Jack Britton uh, to win the World Welterweight title, took place in New York City. What a uh, great fight between two Hall of Famers, Jack Britton and Mickey Walker. On this day in 2003... Um, Juan Manuel Marquez wins a seven-round technical decision over Derek Gaynor to retain his IBF and win the WBA World Featherweight titles and that took place in Michigan. On this day in 2002, Oscar Larios knocks out Willie Urin uh, in the first round to win the WBC World Junior Featherweight title to place in Sacramento, California. And on this day in 1965, Ernie Terrell wins a 15-round decision over George Chavallo to retain his WBA World Heavyweight title, and that took place in Toronto, Canada. Hey, man, that concludes our show for today. Um, Like I said, make sure you tune in tomorrow. Uh, I got a lot of stuff to talk about uh, and uh, mark down that we will not be doing a live show on Friday, but we want you guys to uh, catch up on all the uh, uh, shows you might have missed. So uh, I'll leave you guys with this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby.